Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Splash Play Podcast. Spags and I are fending off Thanksgiving Day food and alcohol hangovers, but we are here to break down a COVID-riddled, injury-riddled Week 12 slate. Spags, have you wrapped your head around Week 12 after the Thanksgiving slate yet? It's so hard to come down off the high of me and all my best friends playing Wolf Fuller, reaching those heights and have to get back into a Sunday game riddled with coronavirus. But that's why we have this podcast. That's why we have the numbers don't lie segment. We're also going to recap that Thanksgiving slate, give you some injuries that actually matter and our ride or die picks for each game. And Pete, you know, that means it's time for you to stall while I hit the intro. That's right. Coming up right after the break is the hottest, sexiest fantasy football advice in all of football. Hit it, Spags! everyone welcome to another week another edition of splash play your favorite fantasy football podcast we hope by now i'm chris spags joined once again by the man you just saw up top who's also like me getting a little hair of the dog that bit you it seems into your life he's peter Overset. how you doing pete good yeah we've been uh uh, we went to this orchard a few weeks ago, and so I've been drinking these hard ciders. But it, I, I just said it to Lauren, too. I was like, this is literally just adult apple juice. It tastes like apple juice, then it just happens to have alcohol in it. So That's the that's best kind of alcohol, I feel like. The ones where, like, I, I oh, no, wait. Intro's back. Round two. <laughs> the, the kind of alcohols where they just slip on by you. Like, I... I, you know, I enjoy, like, right now I'm drinking an IPA. Those are nice, but I miss, you know, the simple times I just wanted to get drunk and just wanted to get drunk with the least friction possible where you don't even know, and all of a sudden you are completely blacked out. Yeah, that was, like, the first time I ever got drunk and I had tasted beer and I didn't like it, and so my friend got me Alizé because it, like, basically tasted like purple purple drink, like Kool-Aid or something, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you don't have a sophisticated palate, that fun stuff, uh, it's the best. And also because at that point you were a late 90s rapper as well, so that's why. I, I had Alizé and Mike's Hard Lemonades that night. <laughs> That's uh, that's how you know we like to party here on Splash Play. All the Alizé and Mike's Hard's Lemonades flowing. <laughs> Guys, if you're watching this video for the first time on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts for the first time, give us five stars and a review. And Pete, you know, we've had a lot of people chiming in on our Apple Podcasts page, giving us some glowing testimonials for our podcast nuptials. Wow, I am uh, I am so thrilled uh, to hear the case. Uh, I'm going to go immediately after this show and see what people have been saying about our monumental partnership. And uh, can you give me a, a preview of, of anything that's been said over there? Oh, I don't know if anybody said anything new. I was just trying to lead you in to do the... <laughs> to do the shilling for it so yeah uh, i mean maybe somebody did i'm sure if they did it's great i haven't looked personally yeah the thing is for spags and i it's like it's kind of a what have you done for us lately i mean we spent all this money to throw the greatest party ever and uh we want to continue to see the fruits of that labor uh reflected in our itunes guest book so if you could continue signing that it would be greatly appreciated. And all the people who've signed it so far, we appreciate you guys putting in that effort as well as everybody who showed up for our first little live stream, a little test live stream we did on Tuesday afternoon. Um, our nearest and dearest friends came out. So we appreciate you guys. Um, hopefully, you know, moving forward, we'll maybe do some more of that types of content for you guys. It was great seeing people turn out and engage in the chat. So uh, 
fun having that component for the shows. But uh, also, we got to give thanks to our... It's Thanksgiving that we already gave all our thanks on the other show. We have to give thanks to our sponsor, though, because they all year round, they're there for us at Thrive Fantasy. And every prop bet on Thrive Fantasy gets assigned a fantasy value for the over and under. You choose 10 out of 20 available props for each slate, and they're different for each slate, too. Uh, at least a lot of them are. So some ways to get different if you're playing multiple tournaments. But Thrive is over $75,000 in guaranteed prizes weekly and is awarded over $1.75 million in cash prizes and the important part, if you go over to thrivefantasy.com or download the app in the App Store or the Google Play Store, if you use the promo code SPLASH, they'll match your deposit up to $50. So that is money you can get right away. You can play on there. Pete right now is in third place in the, right? It was third place you're in in the, the big tournament? Yeah, fifth place. Yes. But fifth place. Lot, I, I, I got really excited. And then you reminded me that there's still a game to be played. <laughs> That's right. There is, in fact, their tournament. Uh, the way that they handled it was different than some of the other sites where uh, their prop bets, I believe, still going until the Tuesday night game now, which we'll talk about with the Ravens and Steelers. It's been moved twice. But either way, straightforward, easy to win over at Thrive Fantasy. So play thrivefantasy.com or Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or Google Play Store. Sign up and prop up today. That's what we like to do on Thrive. We prop up. Let's talk the Thanksgiving slate, though, because we did have a, a slate yesterday, Pete, where two games instead of the three, oh, and that Ravens game got moved got moved twice, really, over the span of the last uh, 36 hours or so. But we had the Lions game going against the Texans, a game where uh, had some shootout potential. Pete didn't quite live up to it, even though the Texans really uh, kind of brought the Lions to the woodshed. Yeah, it wasn't the funnest slate for GPP because it was really, really chalk-heavy with Watson uh, Fuller, Antonio Gibson, and uh, who was the other chalk piece? Amari Cooper, all kind of having the big days. So it was really tough to build smart contrarian lineups. I ended up focusing on that second game, just trying to get unique. And so, yeah, I was I was dead in the water. And then I had played guys like Marvin Jones, thinking he was going to be less popular. And then he was like as owned as Brandon Cook. So I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, it was kind of tilting for me, too, because uh, on our ride or die picks on the Tuesday show, uh, I actually had Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks both getting 20 fantasy points each. I should have worded it slightly differently where I said if they averaged 20 fantasy points each, <laughs> that would have been correct because Will Fuller did it all on his own. And honestly, I was happy to see it. It sucked because he was about 75 percent owned on all the tournaments I was playing. But I just like seeing Will Fuller big games like he's a splash play dude, a little bit less splash play dependent this year. where He's getting some of those intermediate routes because there's just less bodies in that wide receiver core but I just fucking love Will Fuller like I, he's one dude we haven't talked about enough on here also I don't think he has the dread so that's maybe minus one point for him if we're going back to the the, the Pat Doherty bit a couple weeks ago but still I just like seeing Will Fuller play and have big days yeah he's super fun and like a lot of people I saw Levitan tweeting about this but you know before the season he was going in the fifth and sixth round of drafts and there, the only reason he was going there was because everyone just assumes he's going to get hurt and it's just funny how people's confidence levels on predicting injuries because like there's no reason he shouldn't have been going in the third fourth round where like AJ Brown and Calvin Ridley and those guys were going like that's who he is but you got this huge perceived injury discount so it's been great to see him stay healthy and crush this year. I think he was actually one of my guys in that first video we did because I 
Um, no Hopkins in there. That kind of thing to keep in mind for next year if you are a team who maybe you know not doing so well in your season-long leagues, and we couldn't help you save it over the last few weeks doing those segments. Uh, you know, looking towards next year when there is a situation like a guy like Hopkins who was getting 10 targets a game, you know, 150, 100, 150 air yards per game. It's a pretty big vacancy to fill, and Will Fuller, you know, not every week exploding, but I think we see the upside there. Uh, I also think we have to talk real fast. Adrian Peterson, the two touchdowns there, another nice day. Actually looked more spry in the second half. Uh, I tweeted it, but I and I'm curious your thoughts about this, but I think if Peterson were in an offense like the Niners, you know, granted they're getting some guys back or supposed to maybe get uh, Mostert back, possibly Tevin Coleman too this week. Uh, I think even Jeff Wilson might be back in there, but let's say that's not the world where they were just like, oh, Mostert's hurt. Let's get, we got to get somebody else in here. They bring in Adrian Peterson. I think in an offense like that, where they just grind the ball, like he still would be good for 75 yards and two touchdowns every week. Yeah, it's interesting. Matt Patricia just absolutely loves uh, Adrian Peterson. And, you know, again, the one principle we've seen and the reason why both carry on and Adrian Peterson could both have good days is because backfields now can support two running backs. It's when we had the third running back in there that it gets really, really messy. And we see that in the decent amount of backfields right now. So when it, you know, condenses, I think both carry on and Adrian Peterson were pretty good plays yesterday, just knowing that there were paths for them to both get there in different ways. And that afternoon game, we should also talk about uh, the Cowboys. This is something that I landed on. I ended up doing the the Awesome Live Before Lock show, which required me waking up at 6.30 on Thanksgiving Day. Not the best brain functionality for me on the West Coast. And my computer also restarted one minute into the show being live after I had had it running for about half an hour. And I was like, I don't want it to restart. Let me give it a chance to get going. And it still somehow uh, dicked around with me right, like literally one minute after the show started. So how, how long did it take you to get back up? And About running? two and a half, three minutes to get back in. And, it, and then it restarted. And then it was like, oh, 50%. Like it's, it's, we're restarting. Then it did it again. And I was like, are you just tro- like, am I getting trolled right now up at uh, doing a show at 830 in the morning on the West Coast? It was really miserable. But either way, <laughs> I, I imagine you were uh, hurling around uh, some expletives. Uh, during I wasn't. That. I think it was so early that I was just like, oh, come on, really? Like I just didn't. <laughs> I barely wanted to be awake, but you know, got to be out there for the people, uh, you know, and then also just for me mentally to get prepared for a slate. It helps. And so many people were on the Cowboys. There's one guy in our live chat and the awesome streams get like three K concurrent viewers. So you're going to find a mix of, you know, sharp people, people who are a little bit less sharp people who are you know, maybe, you know, more casual and, and sort of leaning on the eye test and things like that. And one guy kept talking about like, Oh, the Cowboys are great. Now Andy Dalton's going to be amazing. He's I'm going to have a hundred percent Andy Dalton. There's no way, <laughs> so this could go wrong. And we're to the point where like, it's, because you got to fill an hour show talking about two games after the other game got canceled. Like I was just basically replying to this guy and being like, here's why you're wrong. <laughs> and, but it's one of those things I'm sure, you know, Pete, when you do live streams, if you are talking to people and you give that take, and you dig your heels in, there's at least a coin flip chance. You're going to be completely dead wrong. And Andy Dalton breaks the slate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is, this is the brutal thing. I had, I had a guy troll me. Uh, it was the week. Remember Mike Davis was 4,000 mm-hmm. against the Bucks. And, you know, he's like 70% owned, you know, and in a lot of the higher stakes, single entry, whatever. So like everyone was on it. And this guy was just going after me for playing Mike Davis. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's one thing if I like go out on a limb against the public or whatever, but I'm like, it wasn't a bold, brave take of me to say play Mike Davis. But man, people, uh, people don't realize that we are talking in probabilities and we're trying to make the best probability bets, but that doesn't mean that Donald Trump doesn't beat Hillary Clinton, regardless of what Nate Silver's model says, you know, like it's probabilities people. 
Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, that just sort of stuck with me as, again, a lot of people, too, in the chat, like, this guy wasn't alone. There were certainly enough people also like, yeah, Andy Dalton's really not good. The one guy was like, Andy Dalton was great in week 17 last year. <laughs> I guess just ignored the rest of the entire time that Andy Dalton was a Bengal for the last two years. Either way, I think people just forgot, like, the Cowboys kind of suck. And they were going against a, a Washington football team defense. Still hard to say that and not feel kind of silly, but um, a Washington football team defense that's actually pretty good and is healthy and, and looking good. And the Cowboys offensive line still having some of the same struggles. Like, they had one good week, and I think that's one of those things where... I, for me, I kind of fought that bias off and I'm okay with it now, but like Andy Dalton being in there, like he stunk, he stunk, he stunk. He had one decent game where they got a win against the Vikings, maybe unexpected, but they still suck. And I think you got to still remember like, Hey, this one week, like just because it informs your prior opinions doesn't mean that that's actually how it is. And I think a lot of people got caught in that trap yesterday. Yeah, no, they, uh, I think they definitely, they definitely did. I, uh, I'm I'm ready I'm ready to uh, to move on to the main slate the uh, the Thanksgiving I finished Spags one of the classic overs that finishes 1128 out of 1130 people in the red zone spy for the Thanksgiving single entry tournament so this is a day I'm ready to move on from well there you go so those are the main <laughs> takeaways Antonio Gibson real fast if I got to give him a shout yeah. out for being just an absolute monster I think we talked about him coming in um he was my ride or die pick for that one I think the only one uh, that we got right out of our our four picks collectively that we made and. And uh, Gibson, I think, you know, certainly the production's been there. J.D. McKissick still taking some away. But uh, Gibson, I know, Pete, you play some of the – You actually, do you play Dynasty at all? I know – I feel like yeah. – Yeah, okay. So Gibson's a guy, I feel like if you have him now in a Dynasty type of situation, you have to feel fantastic about it because he's looking better and better by the week. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's been wild about Gibson is like he was a converted wide receiver. So everyone assumed that his role was going to be the JD McKissick role where like, oh, maybe they're not giving him goal line carries, but they're feeding him a ton in the passing game. And then it was this weird flip thing where they're using him as their early down guy. And then this was the first game where he really kind of took over in that bell cow capacity. Barber got a little bit, McKissick got a little bit, but it was the Gibson show. And yeah, like you said, for going forward, I mean, the sky is uh, the roof, you know, for, for Antonio Gibson. Like he could be a top five running back down the stretch if that workload holds. I think people expect him to be McCaffrey from day one, uh, given the Ron Rivera tie-in of him now being the Washington coach. Uh, you know, maybe not quite there, but, you know, if you're going into next year, I think you're certainly looking at a guy who's got to be a first-round pick, got to be one of the highest dollar guys in a salary cap league. I mean, Antonio Gibson, I was very impressed by him, even though, as we pointed out on here, an easy matchup to take advantage of, but that's, that's those are the guys you want who take advantage of the matchups that are right in front of them. Speaking of that, Pete, you, you had a tough showing in the spy for Thanksgiving, but here's a game that you always feature well in numbers don't lie, where we have three interesting stats and you're going to guess which true are true and which one is false are you ready for this pete are you, you want a little more cider before we get into it yeah i'll take another sip i just scanned this show sheet you know i was doing my research uh today for the slate and i i was in the weeds on guys like uh, a couple of these guys you're going to talk about so i'm hopeful i'm hopeful i can nail this again I think this first one you're going to have, but uh, it's an easy one relative to the things that Pete and I look at, but we'll see. Denzel Mims, three catches for 71 yards stat line in week 11 doesn't stand out, but he led the league in air yards with 183 air yards on his eight targets, just edging out T Higgins and Calvin Ridley. Pete, does this one sound like it could be true? Because I know you are a man who enjoys the air yards as well as its sibling, the buy low model. Yeah, Denzel Mims is is close to my heart. I had him in one of my best lineups last week, so I was watching all of those end-of-game heaves from Joe Flacco to Denzel Mims and even said to myself, like, 
uh, yes, I want you to catch these, but man, all these air yards I'm racking up, those got to be worth something. So yes, I, I was familiar uh, with him leading last week in air yards. So I do think this one is true. In a lot of respects, air yards are like the ticket at like a Dave and Buster's where you're just like, you're hoping it leads to something good, but more likely than not, if you're Denzel Mins, you're leaving with like one of those sticky hands that just ends up not working <laughs> after about three days. Uh, yeah. Next stat up, Rex Burkhead looks to be out for the year, thought to be a possible boon to James White's prospects. But White may not benefit as much as you think with his current role. He's targeted just 10% of the time he runs a route, one of the lowest marks in the league. Pete, does that sound viable to you? It seems off um, in that I know he had a bunch of targets last week uh, with Rex going out. It really kind of opened things up for him again. Again, we talk about these three-man backfields condensing to two. Uh, that seems very low, but yet I know up to this point in the season, he hasn't been getting targeted a ton. So maybe on the average for the season, I could see that being true. I'm leaning towards, no, I'm going to have to see what the last one is. Sometimes it's more mobile quarterbacks. You do see less targets for the guys in the short game. Kind of like we saw Oh, the guy I'm going to talk about next. Our last stat numbers don't lie. We talk a lot about QB performance under pressure on the show to predict how a game might go. But two of uh, last week's debuting starters really stand out in this category. PJ Walker leads the league under pressure with a 122 QB rating, obviously a limited sample size. While Taysom Hill of all people has a 119 QB rating rating one pressured Pete you've gotten all the stats give us your thoughts on that one and then tell me which of these numbers lied to you and this PJ Walker one is tough because he made a ton of good throws while and I remember some of them under pressure and now I'm trying to remember the two awful interceptions if those would have been considered under pressure or if he was just you know making bad decisions while standing there in the pocket so that one is tough I, I believe the Taysom Hill one um, he was really effective and I don't remember him having too many bad plays. This one's tough. This one really comes down to the PJ Walker 122 and the James White 10% for me. I am going to say, I'm going to say that the James White one is, is the lie. Is that your final answer? That's my Regis uh, I'm now more concerned after that voice <laughs> that you just did. Um, I will say yes, it is my final answer. Peter, you are correct. That is, in fact, the lie. Uh, the, way, the reason this is the lie is that James White actually, surprisingly, the most targeted man in the league in terms of regular players, um, in terms of yards or targets per route, rather, getting targeted 33.9% of the time, which is higher than Jordan Reed, 33.8. Um, the nearest guy who's an actual snap getter, Alvin Kamara, targeted 32.4% of the time so kind of surprised me because again mobile quarterbacks do tend to cut the uh, the wide receiver or the running back production rather in the past game and cam is mobile but still apparently james white could be pretty useful now at his price point you know maybe a guy to consider this week yeah no i was looking at him closely when i did my first pass uh this week and yeah he definitely looks interesting and especially if you assume the cardinals uh get a little bit of a lead there you would figure he would be heavily heavily involved in the Patriots without Rex Burkhead are back to tipping their hand. You know, when they're winning, it's Damian Harris or Sony Michelle. And when they're losing, it's James White. So I guess the, uh, the riddle there comes down to Kyler Murray's health. And if we think they can get a big lead early. Also, I think it's worth noting too with Burkhead that he's leaving a lot of the team's touchdown equity behind. Um, he had a 20, he had 20% of the team's rushing touchdowns so far this year, 50% of their receiving touchdowns, which actually seems kind of insane, but combined 29% of the touchdowns were going to Rex Burkhead for the, uh, for the Patriots in terms of their rushing and receiving touchdowns. So 
Um, kind of a, an interesting spot here. Maybe some more production to go around for the rest of those remaining Patriots for admittedly a Patriots team. That's not that great, but an interesting matchup against Arizona next segment up here. And guys, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe, follow at splash play pod as well. We're following back the first thousand people on Twitter, on Instagram. We appreciate all the support on there as well as hearing from you guys. Um, so let's, let's, uh, go over there and follow all that stuff. Here's an injury that matters, though, Pete. Adam Thielen expected out. That's going to result in a lot of ownership, it seems, going to Justin Jefferson across the NFL DFS slates. Thielen, another guy who's had a lot of touchdowns for Minnesota, including that big game last week. And, uh, Pete, it does seem like there's some opportunity here going against Carolina, a game uh, with a total over 50 over fifty points here, actually 51.5 over under uh, last that I pulled this data. So, Pete, how do you feel about this? Adam Thielen being out after that big game. I think a lot of people are going to chase Justin Jefferson, and, and I get it, but it does feel like maybe the upside not there quite as much or at least as reliably as the ownership's going to be. Yeah, and it also looks like Irv Smith is doubtful. Yep. So, like, this offense is, like, really condensing. The thing that's interesting to me is looking at early ownership. Last week, we saw a similar dynamic. Obviously, Adam Thielen was playing, but, like, Dalvin Cook was, what, like, 40%, and Justin Jefferson was, like, 20%. And so Thielen became really the obvious leverage play. This week, early ownership, I'm seeing Dalvin Cook around 26 27%. And then Justin Jefferson only at like 10 or 11%. I do not mind Justin Jefferson at that. I would guess he ends up being closer to 20, 25% once all this Adam Thielen news shakes out though. Yeah, I think especially with some of the big games he's had, uh, that's sort of the natural way people view things. And for football, I think if anything to me, this makes Dalvin Cook, I would say, a more secure play. I like. I find it hard to believe that Carolina really puts it on Minnesota where they can't run the ball or get some short passes to Cook. So I think for me, this makes Cook more appealing. And I think you know certainly some arguments you made that Jefferson just a little bit overowned for what he can do. Another guy ruled out today, Todd Gurley, who's actually surprisingly averaging 18.3 touches per game. Uh, Brian Hill expected to start in a game that's also got a nice total against Vegas, Pete. And Brian Hill, chalk week, has gone poorly before, but he's very cheap this week. And um, I don't have an updated projection for him, but I'm intrigued by him at this price point. Like I assume I'll have some going against a Vegas team who does give up a good amount of points, even though, you know, I think people tend to think of them a little better than they are. I, I don't know how you wouldn't be a little bit interested in Brian Hill. Yeah. Well, how, sorry. How much is he on DraftKings? 4k flat. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. And And when we've seen him, you know, earlier this season, I mean, he's the one that I would guess, I remember he had a 40-yard touchdown one week, and I don't think Todd Gurley has had any touchdowns that have been over more than like five or 10 yards. So I uh, I am definitely intrigued with Brian Hill. I was interested in this game early on. Do you think that Brian Hill, is he the kind of like chalk? I don't think he'll be like Mike Davis at 4,000 level chalk, right? I think especially with him blowing up last year too, where everybody wanted like that stuff does have some carryover. So I would guess the highest that he gets to is probably, you know, 20%. Even that might be lofty for him just because I think people are more doubtful, even though on the year, like he is a guy, you look at the numbers averaging 4.4 yards per carry, 2.8 yards after contact uh, compared to Gurley. Gurley is at 3.7 yards per carry, 2.7 yards after contact. Like, I think you could pencil Hill in for Todd Gurley production, you know, whether that's enough to win on a slate, I think that's a whole other question entirely. Yeah. I just pulled up uh, Derek Cardi's kind of updated projections for him. Uh, he, he's not too aggressive with it right now. He only has him projected for 12 points, um, like a modest to good points per dollar value. Um, so yeah, I think to me, 
if he becomes the kind of like over 20% chalk, I think it, it looks like he might be bad chalk based on kind of median projections. But if he stays under that, I think he would be interesting. Uh, and I guess the other thing that we sometimes have to worry about, like different from the Mike Davis situation where we've seen the team have a willingness to give him all the touches, or I think we could see Ito Smith factor in a decent amount here. Ito Smith in the past has been the guy that's been like the one B in a committee too. So I'm not quite sure Brian Hill's just going to run away with touches. So I, I actually am uh, inclined to have a little bit of reservation here with Brian Hill. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm curious because I, man, I just know that the bias sometimes, especially with casual players where they won't go to Brian Hill and just that's so many touches left behind without with Gurley and and the Raiders too for whatever it's worth and this is not a perfect stat because it also depends a lot on on the teams and how they actually approach the game and what they're trying to do but the Raiders giving up a rushing touchdown on 6.3 percent of the rushing attempts like it's a very high number actually one of the highest might be the highest mark on the slate I don't have that easily sorted in front of me so I don't know I'm a little more curious on Brian Hill but it does look like Osmo along with Derek Cardi has him about just under 12 fantasy points so no sure thing by any stretch. Uh, another part of this Falcons team that's uh, up in the air, Julio Jones, also questionable. I think right now a lot of the projection systems have him in, but Pete, do you have any inklings here? I, I didn't see any status updates today other than seeing that Julio was questionable and we don't we don't fully know yet unless maybe you saw something else. No, yeah, I, I saw that same thing. I mean, just kind of the tenor of those announcement made me think he's maybe more doubtful than, yeah. than positive here. Um, but yeah, we're just going to have to find out on that one. I hope he goes because I want to keep Calvin Ridley ownership in check. Uh, I think he'd be a really, really nice play. But if Julio's out, I think Calvin Ridley will end up being one of the highest owned wide receivers on the slate. I think it was something I saw yesterday or today. It might have been in the in the trip to fan plus alcohol and induced hue of, of Thanksgiving night. But I think Matt Ryan averages nine fantasy points in games without Julio. They might just be this year, but it hasn't looked good for him. So I don't know. I, I like Ridley. I just feel like this offense really does suffer with just at least having Julio out there as a decoy. So definitely something to keep an eye on as, as we get closer to the, the, the lock time on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I also think the other guy that was kind of interesting, and although I know he was been questionable too, but Hayden Hurst, I think at tight end will be interesting if, uh, if Julio's banged up as well. Uh, I kind of like this game and um, I think attacking it from the Atlanta side might make sense because I think Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller are going to be two of the most popular plays on the slate. So maybe coming at it from that direction might be a way to get access to it in a unique way. Yeah, we'll go through that with the rider die picks coming up in a bit. Other injuries, a lot of injuries this week, which is, you know, we always see towards the end of the season, but definitely starting to pile up. Uh, Savan Ahmed out this week. I, I nailed the pronunciation on that one, Pete. I don't know if you, Patrick Laird. No, I'm, I'm a, I was upset. I was listening to my buddy Pat do a show earlier today, and he just absolutely botched it after I've gone out of my way to educate broadcasters throughout the community. So I have to give him a talking to. And yes, kudos to you for nailing that. Hey, look, I listen. When Peter Overzet says something, I know we all have to take heed. That's why he plays over at Thrive Fantasy, and you should too. <laughs> uh, Miles Gaskin, status up in the air, Pete. And you do have your sources, unnamed sources in the Dolphins organization. So any inkling as to what's going on here? Because if, if Gaskin does not make it back in, I think he's been practicing in limited fashion I, you're going to be left with your boy Patrick Laird also I guess uh, DeAndre Washington Matt Breida should be available so what do you make of this backfield that's had some value with Ahmed lately yeah I mean honestly the most interesting thing about this backfield is their commitment to using one back primarily you know whether it was Gaskin whether it's Ahmed 
they don't seem to want to employ too much of a committee. So, you know, the snaps last week outside of Ahmed, Patrick Laird had 17 and eight of those were from the slot or out wide as almost a, a receiver. Matt Breida had seven and DeAndre Washington was a scratch. So I assume we see DeAndre Washington active here. They did bring him over from the, from the chiefs at the trade deadline. I I think my inclination, as much as I would love a Patrick Laird, you know, bell cow game, I think DeAndre Washington kind of slides into that Ahmed role. Um, that's why they brought him in. He kind of has that dual purpose um, role where he can catch passes and run. And so I think Laird will be involved a decent amount. But my just gut reaction is why, why bring in DeAndre Washington uh, there at the trade deadline unless you were planning to use him in a situation like this. So that's just my gut read. Was, I'm looking to see a snap count on PFF from week 11. Yeah, Matt Breida only played seven snaps that last week where uh, DeAndre yep. Washington was inactive, I think, for that game. Yep. So uh, I, I would think Breed is ahead in the pecking order, but I agree like it wouldn't be surprising if they wanted to see what they have in Washington. But uh, Pete's right there. There's definitely some value to unearth here, potentially. This team runs a lot, especially to keep the pressure off of Tua. And going against the Jets, uh, it's a pretty fertile spot for somebody to have some value um, as the running back who's filling in for Ahmed. Well, and I, I will just say one other thing about this Jets defense is they've been a little bit more of a pass funnel. Their interior rush defense has been pretty good. So again, you know, it's it's always hard for me to check my biases here. But uh, if Patrick Laird's already leading them in snaps and is playing more out wide, I think he could see a decent amount of work in the pass game just because that interior Jets D is pretty good. I also think it's kind of a Devontae Parker eruption spot potentially at also a very cheap price. But we'll talk about that when we get to this game because uh, that's it's a really nice $5,900 on draftings for Devontae Parker. Interesting with uh, some offense needing to come from somewhere. Another game which needs some offense desperately, which could tie in with one of Pete's long-held biases. DJ Chark and Chris Conley out. But Mike Glennon starting for Jacksonville. Jake Luton will hit the bench. And Pete, if ever there were a time for it to be Visca season, it does seem like this could be it in this matchup against Cleveland where uh, Cleveland projected to score a lot of points. So there's a good chance Jacksonville will have to throw. Yeah, no, this was kind of a surprise to get that announcement. Um, I knew Chark was questionable. I, I didn't realize Conley was that close to a scratch. Uh, so yeah, all of a sudden, Visca looks like the most talented wide receiver here. Um, obviously, Keelan Cole is still in the mix, but man, Visca at 3,300, uh, you know, he's rested up too. It didn't seem like they forced him back from that hamstring. So yeah, I'm, I'm very interested. I don't love this game in general. You know, Cleveland likes to play these, these slog type games and they're down to, you know, their third quarterback with Glennon. So there's definitely uncertainty, but uh, you know, with DFS, I love these mini correlations. So if you're using like a Cleveland running back, I think using a guy like Chanel or Cole on the other side of that makes a decent amount of sense. Keelan Cole going to be decently owned. Uh, looks like Osmo hasn't projected for around 10%, but uh, there's a decent chance there's some value here um, amidst, I would say, for me, I'll probably have a little bit of Cole, probably have a little bit of Visca, and probably a little bit of Tyler Eifert, too, just because we do know sometimes those backup uh, backup quarterbacks come in. Love to target the tight end, as we've seen with Dalton Schultz getting that boost to Danny Dalton. Uh, Mike Lenton has a big arm, but uh, maybe a little bit afraid to use it after being browbeaten out of a couple starting <laughs> jobs in a row there. Uh, the Week 12 overview, we've, we've covered all the injuries. 
which are a very important part of week 12. But uh, one other thing which we talked about up top, which I guess we could get into a little bit more. Not sure what there is to say, but the Ravens-Steelers game got moved to Tuesday. We've been uh, proven wrong, I guess, Pete. And a lot of people out there, we had just all assumed that the NFL was going to lock in, dig their heels in, not uh, have these games, or have these games play, rather, not even consider moving them. And this game got moved to Sunday, then uh, within the next 12 hours got moved to Tuesday. And also, I guess I have to do a little bit of a victory lap. This wasn't a, a really a planned thing, but one of us did speculate that Lamar Jackson could have coronavirus on the last show, and I don't want to make a living off of guessing the, the health and the virus spread of various players, but the tea leaves were reading weird to me, Pete, and I feel really good that I nailed this one. Wow. You know, we always say that we try not to victory lap injuries and stuff, but Spags doesn't care. It's been such a rough season for him that he's ready to take a victory lap on someone getting COVID. You are sick and I hope you get canceled again. <laughs> I just actually found Lamar and coughed all over him in the hopes that I had it, or at least, you know, there was some sort of machination that could occur in his body. But no, I, you know, I just, it, it to me, it just read weird because we've seen they are very reluctant to not play these games. And I guess, you know, if you could have Lamar possibly... This is the thing, too. The rules were so confusing because I was actually tweeting. I had replied to a Lord Reeves tweet about it, and it was getting other people replying to me like, oh, it wouldn't matter if he tested positive, but I'm pretty sure if he tests positive, it doesn't come out initially because then they test again. And then if he tests positive again, then you are like tested positive, I think is how it goes. But I, I don't know, Pete, do you have any do you, like how does this work? Because that seems like an important thing we should know, yet it's all fairly vague and seems very malleable or, or less malleable depending on the situation. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I know is I I know technically, even though we were talking about it, and I assume it to be the case, like Adam Thielen isn't technically ruled out. Apparently, if he has like all negative tests between now and then, he's still good to go. So I think they just have a number. I want to say it's two or three negative tests in a row. Um, But I don't know how that, I guess technically now that it's moved to Tuesday, that there's enough time if they have all these negative tests, but I, I legitimately don't know. I haven't been that in the weeds with it. Yeah, I think it was. So that was my guess was that they thought by moving it or potentially moving it to Sunday was that uh, they could then get him to test negative for whatever, two days in a row, three days in a row, whatever it is to get him out of it. But, um, you know, that's that's what the situation is. And uh, it just read weird to me when they were like, yeah, there's four or five players and five staff members or whatever, four and five, whatever the numbers were, uh, who tested positive and they revealed two right away. And then they're like, uh, we're not going <laughs> to like these ones. We don't know. And sometimes it is a little bit of preferential treatment for the stars in the hopes that they get him out there and it uh, does seem like could be RG3 time on Tuesday but we'll talk about that more on Sunday's show we get to now have a little reprieve for this game and there's I, also go ahead I, I will say just one thing I remember back when we had the Bills uh, game that got postponed to I believe it was the the Tuesday that I think uh, it is worth hitting up your commissioner if they offered it the first go around a contingency player I think with the Tuesday game there's so much risk um, that I think a nice thing for commissioners to do is if you say like, all right, I want to start Mark Andrews. If he goes on Tuesday, if for some reason that game gets pushed and it's not part of the week 12 slate that I can play to, uh, Kyle Rudolph as my backup bench option. So if your commissioner's offering that, I think definitely do that. I think it's the best way to kind of handle this just for like the overall experience of everyone playing. Yeah, and I think ESPN too. It's worth noting, and I'm sure a lot of the other leagues are similar out there. But they are, uh, they do count the Tuesday game as part of the slate, and then I think they're moving waivers back a day from what I saw in the notification I got from them earlier. So. 
you know, uh, be aware of everything. And as Pete mentioned, keep in touch with your commissioner and hope he's not uh, too big of a dickhead. <laughs> so like, why would you, like at this point where it's all, we all got to get through this as best we can. Uh, speaking of another thing we have to get through the storm of Dalvin cook. He's on the slate projects once again, to be the slate's highest owned NFL DFS player. And uh, Pete, to me, I will say as a preview of what we have to talk about, I still think Dalvin cook is going to be under owned this week. I have him being the top running back 50% of the time. And maybe the value is not quite there that much as for sure with his price going up. But I feel like I'm still going to play more Dalvin than not because I just, to me, he's the Christian McCaffrey of last year and people just took too long to realize like, Hey, just play this guy every week and you're probably going to be okay. Yeah, no, I was starting, you know, I started most of my lineups last week with Dalvin cook. And that was when he was at like 40 to 45% ownership. It was a little bit different case because he was in the late game, which allowed you to kind of make the decision of, Oh, I can eat this chalk because my lineup's good, or I need to pivot. We don't have quite that luxury this week, but if this ownership holds at 25%, I do agree that he's a really, really good play. It would be if he was back up at 40 to 45% that I might start to get cute, but man, I don't think you have to get cute at 25%. Yeah. So Dalvin, we, we've made the case for some of these guys. And I think, you know, especially at running back this year, you just know the volumes there, you know, the opportunities there, you know, the touchdown equity is there, which you know is a buzzword, but it is something that's important that he's got. Uh, let's see, he's got 38% of the rushing touchdowns and even a little bit of a share, 3% share of the receiving touchdowns. It's not, those are all positive things for Dalvin with the workload he has. So yeah, I think play him more than not. And this is just a curious point. I think it might've already happened this year, but Kyler Murray on DraftKings more expensive than Patrick Mahomes, Pete. And I think it's an interesting spot given that, you know, people still a little bit afraid of that new England defense historically, uh, or this year, even though they're not as good as they have been historically, I think is the one thing we've talked about a few times on here. Uh, guys like JC Jackson really uh, getting killed on the year, even though he somehow made the pro bowl ballot because just because he gets lucky interceptions here and there. But I still think, Pete, I would much rather have Mahomes this week. I really feel like Mahomes is going to be under own. And I think maybe there is some way that Belichick does bottle up what Kyler Murray does. Their total has come down a point since opening. So uh, for me, Pete, some cause for concern. But how do you feel with Kyler Murray being that expensive? And and also, you know, he's been great all year, too. So there, that is very much there, too. Yeah, I think normally I would just be like, whatever. Kyler is absolutely crushing. No one can stop him. But this shoulder injury actually gives me more pause than normal. I know he was back at practice today, um, but it really seemed to be bothering him. So yeah, when you combine all those factors on the road in New England, you know, Belichick, you know, he he has an MO uh, of making sure he's slowing down the best players. And he's had experience too, trying to slow down guys like Lamar Jackson. So uh, yeah, I don't think it's a great spot. Uh, Kyler can definitely overcome it. I'll be curious to kind of read some more health reports, but I agree with you. I think in a vacuum, I much prefer uh, Patrick Mahomes this week, even though their projection is going to end up being pretty close. Yeah. I, I just feel like there's a little more shootout potential for Kansas city and Tampa Bay, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes here. We'll see if anybody, if any of us uh, go to either Kyler or go to Mahomes on our ride or die picks coming up in a bit. And it's about that time for the troll equity play of the week, the play that we think is most likely to screw over a large portion of fantasy players, preconceived notions of success coming into the week. And uh, Pete, I'll let you take this one first because I feel like we've had the Dalvin troll thing. And actually we were sort of right with that last week, but still Dalvin was a monster. So I don't even know what the obvious troll would be at this point. I know it's not as fun because we just keep having the Dalvin cook kind of at the top. So there's only so many times that I can say, you know, Alexander Madison um, and, and, you know, and have a chance at being right. Let's see here. Um, I always think Josh Jacobs is one of those guys. I don't like playing as chalk. 
Um, he's just a guy that can be very uh, game script dependent. You know, if we see Atlanta get a 10 point, 14 point lead, like Devonte Booker is going to be out there a lot in past situations. So I will say Devonta Booker as my troll play of the week. If we don't get this game script, uh, people are going to be tilting Josh Jacobs, 11 carries while Booker plays all the pass downs. I, I like that call there. And I, yeah, I think that uh, I, you know, Josh Jacobs's work has been there and I, I like, it's sort of hard, but I agree like that touchdown equity, if that's not there for him and he's, he's not a huge PPR guy, it's going to be a little bit tough for him to do things for you at that high of an ownership and that high of a salary. Um, I think for me, the one that I'm trying to figure out is uh, a, a, it's shocking to me how projectedly high owned uh, James Robinson is. That's something that I don't even know what the leverage would be. Maybe it would be Visca for that one, but I feel like <laughs> Stefan Diggs, I like, I like Diggs a lot. I also like this matchup potentially against the chargers for being a shootout, but I just worry a little bit that whenever Diggs is that, is that expensive? We've seen the touchdowns go some other ways. So I think Cole, Be- uh, Cole Beasley is also going to be owned out the ass. Like this game is just going to be very highly owned and I don't really have a great feel for it. I'll say Zach Moss gets two touchdowns here and that somehow screws over a lot of the ownership because Diggs over 25. It looks like Beasley over 15, Josh Allen over 15. Uh, This game, Pete, actually might be the chalk game of the week. Yeah, I know. And that's always the question, right? Like for tournaments is, are there ways to play it uniquely? And I I agree with you. I would have gravitated to a guy like Cole Beasley in this spot because Diggs and Gabriel Davis now as the pun option are going to be very popular. And so, yeah, if Cole Beasley is also popular, you basically have to make a choice of I'm just fading the game, you know, more or less, or I'm going to go off the board with maybe one of the running backs um, on either side. And, you know, we uh, were talking about injury situations. One interesting one we didn't mention is Austin Eckler might play, um, which I think would definitely shake things up uh, a good bit. He's listed as questionable. He was on his Twitch stream earlier this week saying like he feels good and ready to go. So, I think there's maybe like a better than 50% chance we get Austin Eckler, at which point he would be a really nice leverage play in this game. And we know we always get the injury discount when these guys come back. And we really haven't seen Eckler with Herbert at his full powers. Like I think they did have some uh, shared time while Herbert was still, you know, uh, kind of safeguarding the job while Tyrod Taylor was allegedly going to come back while getting while getting needles jammed into his ribs by the doctors who big Justin Herbert fans love those luscious locks. I don't know if they would do that for him now with his, his Johnny Unitas look, but um, Eckler just being a, a guy who could actually get deep targets at running back and, and offer a lot of pass game value. Like I'm terrified. I don't know what to do with Eckler if he's going to be available because there's so many guys in that backfield now with Balazs, with Josh Kelly. Uh, you know, I think Justin Jackson's mostly out of the mix there, but, but you know, like what's the workload going to be, but also is he going to be like this monster home run hitter? And how does that affect Keenan Allen too? Like I have a lot of questions about how this offense looks if Eckler's back out there. Yeah, it is interesting. I, my guess would be, my guess would be some of those deep shots uh, end up kind of going to Eckler. Maybe they retool the offense a little bit because Mike Williams and, and Jalen Guyton were, and then there was even another guy I'm forgetting who was getting all Teron these Johnson, deep targets. Yeah, that was it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, at, you can't just not use Eckler. He's so talented. So the ball will be taken out of the air a little bit, but it honestly might just be one of these rising tide lifts all boats, bigger pie to go around thing. Um, I, I have a hard time making a case for how Eckler 
isn't good for this offense. And Buffalo, for whatever it's worth, has been one of the worst run teams, uh, run defense teams on the slate, giving up 135 rushing yards per game. And uh, that's certainly some way for there to be production. You know, yards per rush, not a perfect stat, but an indicator of if they do feed Eckler the ball, whether it be through actual handoffs or short dink and dunk passes. Like, I think it's a, definitely a spot to watch here in a game that I, this game has potential to be really fun, and especially with the defense too. The Chargers defense, a couple key injuries out there, which we don't talk about too much, but Melvin Ingram and somebody else is out. So uh could be a little more open-ended than it might seem. Uh, let's, I also would just mention one weird thing about this game. And I was trying to, and I was talking uh, to it with like Leone earlier today because Herbert actually isn't projecting that well. And it's because Vegas has a really low team total for the chargers relative like the bills have a 29 implied team total and the chargers only have a 23 and a half implied team total which i mean the jags have a 21 and a half implied team total the raiders are at 28 and a half like five points less than a lot of these other teams four points less than the vikings so it's this weird oddity where vegas thinks this is going to be a high scoring game but primarily via the bills and so something has to give there where and I, I can't I can't make heads or tails of why they aren't more bullish on the Chargers. Yeah, I, the Bills defense has been better historically. And I, we've talked about Tredavious White, though. Uh, he's given up a little more production, you would think, this year. Giving up a little bit over one yard per route covered. Uh, so, you know, that's still not a guy I'd want to attack too much. But um, interesting things to read here. And I have, I have it being the Chargers 24.3, Buffalo 28.3. So, Maybe the lines will move a little bit more as we get closer to to the actual slate starting. But keep an eye on that because I agree it could be interesting if the Chargers are a little bit uh, underappreciated by Vegas if you are a sports better in particular. Uh, let's do the ride or die picks, Pete. Of course, these are presented by Thrive Fantasy. Play over at thrivefantasy.com and use that promo code SPLASH. Uh, I'll get you your deposit matchup to $50. And it's prop betting. You pick 10 out of 20 available prop bets to pick your lineup. And it's just kind of a standard DFS GPP from there. Pete's won on there. I've had some good results on there as well. Uh, so make sure playing at thrivefantasy.com with some big tournaments every single week. Pete, explain the rules for the folks out there. Actually, uh, the other thing, it's now 7-3-1. I am in the lead on the year in terms of the weekly records, Pete. So you're still in the mix for the points race, but one more loss by you in a weekly numbers, and it will be officially a win for me, at least for the regular season. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're you're holding on to the weekly wins, which are completely meaningless. And the entire point of the point system uh, was to allow uh, the true skill to shine through. So, you know, whatever helps you sleep at night, I uh, personally acknowledge the uh, electoral college, not the popular vote. So that's, uh, that's how this works. Uh, yes, we are going to make hot take picks. This is the first time we have done it without a guest here in a while. So it'll be just Spags and I uh, going through. We will reward points based on the aggressiveness of the pick, of which I will um, be the judge and juror over what those picks are worth. So I don't let Spags pull any fast crap on me. That is how it goes here. I do try to pull a lot of fast crap. That's why my fast craps are known around this part of town in this old Western town of ours. Let's get into the first game. Tennessee, 24.3 implied points. Indianapolis, 27.3 implied points. Over under 51 and a half. It's been steamed up a point over the course of the week. And uh, Pete, I'll let you go first here as a gentleman that I am. Okay. Um, you know, I feel like we started to see a little bit of a changing of the guard uh, with the Colts running back situation. People were wanting 
to write Jonathan Taylor off. There were comps to uh, Trent Richardson. Uh, it was getting pretty bad there. And then he had 24, uh, 22 carries uh, this last week, 11 were while they were leading, 11 while they were trailing. So, you know, a true bell cow level workload. I will say Jonathan Taylor at 5,900 goes over 20 DraftKings points again. Were the two carries when he was tied? <laughs> you said No, tw- sorry. 22 carries, 11 while trailing, 11 okay. while leading. Okay, then you said 24, and I was like, wait, where, where are the other two carries? Like, what, what's going those, on? Those were blacked out. They, it was while there was like a brief that. fire in the stadium. He got two carries, yeah. and that's a special circumstance. Um, that was also weird, too. Naheem Hines were like, he's going to get the big workload, and then it's just Taylor getting the ball over and over again and looking as good as we thought he would. Um, I guess for me, I will take on the other side, Corey Davis. I really like the matchup and this really could go to AJ Brown's way too. Cause I don't think he's going to get shadowed, but him going against Rocky, Yassine, one of the worst cover corners in the league and Corey Davis quietly is just kind of good every week. And you know, nobody really notices Adam Humphreys being in there. Not the best, but Corey Davis over 20 DK points is what I will take in this game. All right, let's do it. All right, next game up, Carolina, 24 implied points in a game with a 51.5 over-under. That's actually come up three points since it opened, so a lot of uh, a lot of love here for the over. So far, Minnesota, 27.5 points on their side, and I guess I will take this one first, and uh, man, what, what can I even get for Dalvin, Pete? Because at this point, I don't really don't know what the bet is. Over 30 seems like it should be there for, for something, but I don't know if that's yeah, worth Yeah, I it. mean, Cardi hasn't projected at 28.13, <laughs> so... Uh, that's, that's his median. He has a ceiling projection at 41.3. Um, if you want to do an over for like a three pointer, I think it needs to be like, I would give you, I'd give you 32. I mean, if he's projected for 28, it needs to just be a little higher than that. Okay. I accept that 32 over 32 for me for the three pointer. Pete, you can have your, your sloppy seconds here and that Dalvin's off the table. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out like what I kind of want to say is I think, the like Curtis Samuel stuff uh, ends up being a little bit more fluky. I think things finally swing back to Robbie Anderson. Um, I will do, I will do Robbie Anderson uh, over 20 DraftKings points here uh, uh, for a three pointer. I like it. I want Robbie to have a nice week. Also, these guys are going to be owned pretty well. Uh, Mike Davis, I guess, we'll see if Christian McCaffrey sneaks his way in there, but uh, some ownership over 10% projected for DJ Moore, for Robbie, and for Curtis Samuel, as well as Mike Davis. So Carolina, uh, people not sleeping on anymore, apparently. Uh, no. Next game up, Vegas getting 28 implied points in a game with a 53-point over-under that's come down two and a half points since open. Atlanta getting 25 points on the other side. And Pete, we are back to you. Have your choice. Yeah, I want to find a way to short Josh Jacobs here. I will say Nelson Aguilar outscores Josh Jacobs. Ooh, okay. Yeah, a lot of touchdowns for Aguilar this year, and uh, he does some disappearing acts too that can be less than ideal. Um, I'll take Brian Hill doing uh, doing something here. Brian Hill, man, can he get over 20? That's That seems lofty for him. How about Brian Hill over 15? Does that sound like a, a viable bet you would take? Um. I will. So Brian Hill at 12, Brian Hill over 15. Yeah, that's a three pointer. I'll give it to you. All right. Yeah. Brian Hill, Brian Hill, my, my sneak play of the week, unless he gets chalky, in which case I disavow Brian Hill and everything that he does and represents next game up Cleveland getting 28.5 implied points. Jacksonville, 21 implied points over under a 49 and a half. It's also come up a point throughout the week. Pete, you could take the first one. Oh man. Um, let's see here. I got to do take something Visca. with Biscuit. You, yeah, you have to. I got to figure out how I want to do it. If I want to do it in a more creative fashion. 
Um, Does he outscore Nick Chubb? Huh? <laughs> will you give me 10 points if he outscores Nick Chubb? Yeah, you know what? I'll allow it. Why not? It's it's the spirit. The holiday spirit is flowing through me. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I will take that one. Visca over Chubb. Let's do it. And I will take Nick Chubb over 20 fantasy points. <laughs> So that way, so that'll either go very well for you or, or poorly, or it'll go great for both of us. Maybe Visca still beats Nick Chubb, and then <laughs> it's like a perfect game stack that would make you so happy. I am definitely scared. Uh, Nick Chubb is a is a guy I like for DFS this week. I assume he won't be too popular, and I think this is a really nice matchup. Also, Hunt's too cheap too. Um, he's now fifty six hundred. Chubb seventy one hundred. Like the workload's not that different for these guys. Yeah. For um, sure. Yeah, th- th- that's a good point. So uh, Kareem Hunt had all four of their touches in the in the red zone uh, last week, which is is, is interesting. Yeah, I, it's yeah, it's a weird situation with that backfield, but definitely, uh, you know, I think Hunt might be the better play per dollar. We'll find out on Sunday. Next game up, the Giants getting 25 implied points at Cincinnati, getting 19 implied points. Um, I, honestly, I don't. Is Cincinnati starting uh, Ryan, Bill Tortellini, fin- Finley, or are they starting Brandon Allen? Like, I what are they doing here? I, I honestly don't even know, other it's, than the fact that Gio Bernard is concussed and apparently uh, he might get in, might not. But uh, it looks real bad for the Bengals, Pete. So I'll let you take this one first. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 Brandon Niaki Allen uh, starting at quarterback for the Bengals, uh, which, yeah, man, it's such a bummer. Like Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, I like both of those guys, and I don't know any other way to spin this other than being, you know, a massive, massive hit for them. Let's go back to playing the hits. This is a guy I think I play like all the time early on in the season. Let's say Darius Slayton over 20 DraftKings points. Okay, Darius Slayton, uh, been a little bit quieted by the very, very non-risk-averse, or very risk-averse, rather, Joe Judge offense. So in that vein, actually, I'm going to take Wayne Gallman over 20 fantasy points. That actually, simulation-wise, this actually looks like a terrible bet, but Wayne Gallman's been, like, okay relative to Wayne Gallman uh, standards. Cincinnati's defense on the ground, uh, so bad. So, I God, I... I hate Wayne Gallman so much. I really do. Let's uh, yeah. And let's do Let's do it. Let's do a side one on this because Wayne Gallman projected 13.8 Darius Slayton, 12.66. You want to do a one pointer Slayton versus Gallman head to head. Trying to get some fun little extra points here, huh? Pete? <laughs> yeah, you know. sure. Yeah, why not? I'll, I'll take, I'll take that one. I think that's projection wise. It seems pretty fair. Willis. Hope you caught that one. <laughs> Poor, extra yeah. line on the spreadsheet. Poor Willis now has to find your sly bets to try to make up the difference here down the home stretch. Willis loves it. <laughs> Next game up, Arizona, 25 implied points. New England, 24 implied points. 49 point over under, down a half point. Not that big of a deal. Um, Boy, I I guess I'll just take James White over 20 fantasy points. I like that stat that we talked about earlier. James White targeted more than anybody in the league when running a route. He's going to actually be running some routes now uh, with Rex Burkhead out of the mix for the year, sadly, uh, for his knee injury. But I think James White benefits, so that's my dude. I will say, so I think Andy Isabella is going to end up being one of the most popular kind of punt plays on the slate at 3000 now without Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I will say Nikhil Harry, no one likes playing Nikhil Harry. Yeah, he costs $400 more than Isabella. I will say Nikhil Harry outscores uh, Andy Isabella. Did you know that Jacoby Myers doesn't have a touchdown this year yet, by the way, receiving touchdown? Seriously? Yeah, he doesn't. Wow. I remember him. He had a couple really big plays, right? Like a 50 yard catch, yeah. but no touchdown. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. De- Demir bird. We talked about on the Sunday show, but uh, don't go chasing that way too much. Would be my, my word of warning for Demir bird uh, with all these guys back in the mix. 
Next game up, Chargers getting 24.3 implied points. We talked about this one earlier. Buffalo, 28.3, over under 52.5. It's come down a point since it opened. And, uh, you know, Pete, you could take this one first, too. Yeah, man, this uh, this game is tough. You pull it up and you just see all of the the ownership here. Um, let's do this. It seems like Hunter Henry is going to maybe be one of the forgotten men in this game as far as the uh, the popular guys. Let's say... What what will you give me on? No, that's too risky. I can't. I was gonna do Hunter Henry outscoring Keenan Allen. <laughs> hey, you give me ten points on that. I would give you ten on that. All right. Yeah. Well, let's go balls to the wall. Yeah. I mean, Keenan Allen looks like he's about double the projection, a little bit more <laughs> yeah. than that. So yeah, that's that's fair. I'll give you that. Um, All right. I will take. I'll take Cole Beasley getting over 20 fantasy points in this one. I I still like Diggs, but I you know Beasley I think has quietly been as good as Diggs relative to what you'd expect of these guys. So. Um, Beasley over 20. I feel like that's, that's a three pointer, right? And I, yeah, it is. And I want to comment about an interesting situation here. Cause I like looking at Osmo's projection ownership. And I like looking at Adams because, uh, over at ETR, cause Osmo does his more math driven. And I think his is driven more by like Beasley's showing up probably in more optimals at this price. Um, Adam has him down at 3% ownership, in which case I think you and me would absolutely jam him in that case at 15, it's definitely not near as attractive. So that will be an interesting one to monitor because I, I, I could see it going either way, honestly. So it'll end up being how much he gets touted over these next, you know, 48 <laughs> yeah. hours. So maybe we should keep it on the QT and all the shows <laughs> we'll do over the next few days. We won't even mention his name be like, yeah, Gabriel Davis, really the guy I expect. <laughs> to pull through here uh, next game up Miami getting 25 and a half implied points at the Jets 19 implied points Sam Darnold practicing in limited fashion I think the expectation right now is that he'll be in although Michael P, uh, P. Ryan will not be in he's hurt uh, so it'll now be a Frank Gore and uh, I don't even know who the other dude is in that backfield I hate everything in this game Pete so I'll let you go first trying to come up with a fun one I want to say how about this I am going to say Patrick Laird and Denzel Mims outscore Devontae Parker and Frank Gore. Okay. Pa- Whoa, okay. So you're okay. I, I think that's, is that a, that's a 10? Is that a 10? No, that I don't think it's a 10. It feels like in between a three and a 10 to me. It is. It's, it's in between a three and a 10, um, but it, it's not a 10 because it's not, it's not that outline. So just real quick, back of the napkin math, uh, Parker and Gore will combine for like 26 projected points and Laird, Laird and Mims combined for 14. So I guess it's, it's kind of, okay, I'll take the 10. <laughs> okay, it's fine. Hey, have your 10 then. And and for me, I will take um, Frank Gore. Would, would you be able to do 50 yards and a TD for three points? Sure. Yeah, Frank Gore. I, somebody's got to run the ball, I think, in the Miami defense. Uh, like They could be trailing. There's a decent chance the Jets could be trailing here, but I should have taken Devontae Parker. Whatever. Frank Gore. Old guys. Let's go, Frank. Uh, I mean, that bet, I, I think he'll get 50 yards. That bet comes down to whether he gets in the end zone or not. Yeah, that the end zone part is a bit of the risk there, but we'll find out in that ugly, ugly AFC East game. Next one up, New Orleans getting 24.8 implied points. Denver, 17.8 implied points. Seven-point dog at home. Uh, the over-under been getting steamed down here, 42.5, down a point and a half. So that is uh, not great. And Pete, I think in this one, I'm just going to straight away take the cover for Denver just because I feel like this is the week we see a little bit more of an ugly Taysom Hill outing. Yeah. And I will, you know, the conventional wisdom coming out of this game, um, you know, Alvin Kamara not getting targeted. 
uh, by Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas kind of being the apple of his eye, 52% target share. They're still projected for similar amount of fantasy points. So I'll just do, I'll do a one pointer and say Alvin Kamara outscores uh, Michael Thomas uh, this week and things swing back in, in Kamara's favor. Yeah, I think the zero, if it were like one or two targets, maybe I feel like you don't see them go out of their way to feed him that. But uh, yeah, I think there's a chance here Kamara bounces back, though. I wouldn't back it much. He's only protected for 1% ownership, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Adam has him at seven, but still uh, really low ownership. Man, even I, I love going with these contrarian guys that are studs you do have to be concerned uh, about taste of Hill. Um, I'm going to have to think about that one more. Next game up uh, San Francisco getting 18 and a half implied points at the Rams, getting 26 implied points over under a 44 and a half. And this one come down two points. It's open. And, uh, I'm surprised by this number actually now looking at it because we're uh, we might get Mostert back. We might get uh, Tevin Coleman back. Uh, it won't be any Brandon Ayuk, so that's not going to help. Won't be any George Kittle, I don't believe, so that won't help. Uh, I'll go first for this one too, Pete, because I, I feel like I want to lay the table out there, but really don't know what I like at all. Yeah, I think this is you know, a game that might be pretty interesting for DFS. No one really coming in here with uh, mega ownership. Um, I will say Robert Woods at 5,800, similar to Kareem Hunt feeling really mispriced in this range. I feel like Robert Woods feels mispriced at 5,800. So I will project him for, for over 20 DraftKings points. I'll say Cooper Cup getting over 20 here. And I, I think it's worth pointing out too, like, you know, Jared Goff this year, we, we've talked about his numbers under pressure that were so bad. And on Monday, he was getting pressured. And then there was just so many dink and dunk short plays that McVay put in there, knowing that Goff wouldn't be able to hold on to the ball very long. I think the, the Rams are just so smart to get away from, you know, Goff's bad traits. And I feel like this is a spot too, where San Francisco pressures well, but their coverage hasn't been too great, especially in the slot. So I think Cooper Cup benefits. Um, next game up, Kansas City getting 29 and a half implied points game with a 56 point over under. This one's come up a massive amount, three and a half since it opened. Tampa Bay on the other side, 26 and a half, kind of a, a Super Bowl feel to this one, Pete. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, this game is going to be fun. Um, I think I, I really like it for DFS because people don't have like very clean ways to stack Tom Brady. So they end up kind of staying away from it. Um, I just keep trying to like get even on my really bad take of saying like Antonio Brown wasn't going to be that relevant and he is <laughs> very, very relevant. Um, so I will say Antonio Brown outscores the red hot Tyreek Hill in this game. Okay. I, I, so Tyreek Hill's projection is just under 20. I think Tyreek Hill absolutely smashes in this game and the slot matchup is really good against Tampa Bay. Really the best one they have. Uh, giving up 1.5 yards per route covered, 82% catch rate. I like Tyreek in those kind of spots to actually break the slate. So what what's a good slate breaking bet here, Pete? Because over 20 is not going to do it. Yeah. So his yeah, I have his projection at 19.1, ceiling projection at 27.9. I do feel like Tyreek Hill's pretty binary. I'll I'll give you so you're saying slate breaking? Yeah, I mean, like I don't want to uh I will take the I'll, I could take I'll the millionaire say, maker. I could do it. Okay, yeah, you could do millionaire maker. I would say over his ceiling projection at 27.9 would be slate breaking. 
I think if he gets there, he's probably in the Millionaire Maker anyway, or at least in the hunt for it. So I'll just take that one. I feel like that's the most uh, simple one that we've already used before. Uh, but yeah, I love Tyreek. I also love Kelsey this week. He's going to be chalky, though. Kelsey going to be very yeah. highly owned. Uh, Tyreek, not so much. So maybe some way to get leverage there in this game that's uh, projected to be very high scoring. Last game, the Sunday night game, the Bears getting 17.8 implied points. Green Bay, 26.8 over under 44 and a half. Marquez Valdez, Scantling banged up. Um, David Montgomery is, I think, back in, though, right, Pete? Um, I didn't hear that, uh, and no, I will be I, I honest. I just assumed that. <laughs> it might be wrong. No, I honestly don't know. It was like the literally before this morning, uh, all I had thought about was the Thanksgiving slate, and I was, like, cramming this morning for shows and stuff, and now I'm the same way with Sunday Night Football. Like, all I've been thinking about is this made slate, and I, I have no idea. He's out of concussion protocol, so I think he'll make it in by Sunday night, I would think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, who, who knows, I guess. But also, uh, might be a Mitch Trubisky start, so that's fun. But go knowing all those things, Pete, if you want to pick a showdown captain, you can. Or if you want to pick something else, you also can. Um, Let's see. I will do I will do a showdown captain. Um, Man, what's a what's even a hot take? Um, I guess I guess people are still like a little bit down on. Uh, Aaron Jones, he he's been kind of disappointing the past couple of weeks. I'll say Aaron Jones, showdown winning captain. Okay. I will stick with my usual ideal approach of trying to get a wide receiver at that. And oh God, do I really trust Allen Robinson to be fed properly against Jair Alexander by Mitch Trubisky? That's a terrible proposition, but I'll take Allen Robinson showdown captain and I don't feel great about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's the Sunday slate. So we'll be back Sunday night to talk about all the things that happened in week 12. We'll also be back to preview Monday night and Tuesday night's games. Now we have a little double dip there coming up. Uh, so we'll, we'll go back into the, the film watching. We'll grind out some tape about the Steelers and Ravens game and get some better takes than we had in the last show. Pete, any plugs you want to hit on or anything you want to say before we call it quits here? Of course, with what? Actually, no, we got to do the Thrive Pick. I'm such an asshole. I think we forgot that the other day, too. We got we to gotta do the Thrive Pick, too, to close out the slate pete thrive pick what do you want from our pals over at thrive fantasy of course playing at thrivefantasy.com promo code splash to get your deposit matched up to a hundred dollars yeah i was checking out some of their fifty dollars i don't know why i just matched we're part we're personally matching no fifty dollars not a (laughs) hundred there you go um yeah i was looking at some of the props and one of the things that i've noticed uh and i've had like a little bit of success but i like betting the yardage or like completion props. I don't like doing the uh, smaller event props yeah. as in like interceptions and touchdowns, just cause those are more binary and feel you just have less outs of getting there. So I'm going to stay on that pattern. I do think the big dog continues to heat up. I mean, we are only a few short days away from Dehember. Um, I think this is a nice spot for them here. Um, Indianapolis is better against the pass than the run. I will say Derrick Henry gets over 90 rushing yards fairly easy in this game. So there's one prop on here that I just quite frankly don't understand. I think maybe it's a, a people know that Tredavious White's on the Bills, but Keenan Allen five and a half total receptions the is the over underline here. Uh, the over is only 80 points on Thrive, but I feel like I just don't see how Keenan Allen doesn't get uh, to six receptions at a minimum. So uh, that one is almost too easy to me, even though uh, maybe not the best play for for all the tournaments. If I don't know, but you know it's Thrive. Honestly, I would still play that one. Keenan Allen over five and a half. All right, let's right, do it. it. I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to to bet against Keenan Allen these days, man. Yeah. He is uh 
He's locked and loaded. And no matter the matchup, don't bet against Keenan Allen. Don't bet against Thrive Fantasy. Play over at ThriveFantasy.com. Download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Use that promo code SPLASH. They'll deposit match you up to $50, not $100. Uh, so make sure you're playing over there. Uh, it's a great way to build your bankroll and also the prop bets. We have fun with it. You see our ride or die picks every week. Get in there. Play for yourself. Pete, anything you want to say before we call it quits now that we've gotten the important part of the Thrive pick out of the way? Yeah, no, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the live show on Tuesday. If there's interest in that, we can maybe mix some more of that in going forward. Sorry we weren't able to get a guest. It was hard booking guests on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I think I asked like six people uh, to do my show, and then Leone mercifully hopped on at the last minute with me. So, uh, yeah, no guests this week, but we will be back on Sunday night, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to our, our rhythm here down the home stretch. I mean, really what four more main slates after this week is, is oh, wild. Man. It's sad when you say it like that, but you know, we still do have the playoffs here. We will be riding yeah. with you guys throughout. We, we care. We'll be gambling. We'll be playing DFS on every single week up until the Super Bowl, which uh, maybe even gets bumped, bumped back a few weeks. So you might have more time with us <laughs> covering football. Thanks to the lovely coronavirus spread. Uh, follow at Peter Overs at follow at Chris Spags, follow at splash play pod. We're following back the thousand people. First thousand people who follow us on Twitter, and Instagram. Check me out on Osmo Stream Live Before Lock Sunday morning. Check out Peter Overs at Twitter handle so you can see all the shows he's doing as well. And we appreciate you guys and hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you guys again Sunday night after Sunday night football. So enjoy your weekends and uh, good luck. And now I will hit the button. Boop, boop, boop.